is there anybody else here this morning that um, is thankful this past week is in the past? Like, okay, like that we don't have to, did somebody, I mean, is anybody else like me where you're just glad you made it through last week? Yeah, all right, good deal. I'm in good, I'm in good company then. That's good to know. That's good to know. <clears throat> you know, speaking of that, as we go through our lives, I want to ask you, what do you want for yourself? What do you desire? What, what, do, you, what do you want for others? If you will, take your copy of God's Word and be turning over to the book of Philippians, whether your app or in your printed Bible. If it's printed Bible, put your ribbon or bulletin or picture of your grandbaby. I know y'all got all kinds of stuff. Some of y'all got all kinds of stuff stuffed in your Bibles. Just hang out in Philippians. We're going to be there for a little while. But as you're turning there, um, I asked that question yesterday. Everybody else was focused on football, watching football. I didn't watch any football. We had our, our deacon and wives dinner last night so we honored uh the men who have served faithfully the last three years and are rolling off and then also the men that are oncoming the men that were in that kind of gap year as well so we had a wonderful time but as i was reviewing my notes while we were preparing for that dinner i began to just ponder that question of what do we want for ourselves what do we want for others and so i did a little informal facebook poll if you will on my facebook page so it's not very scientific but i did have a few people who chimed in uh, and I just want to share some of those answers just to kind of get a, I think it helps give us a reminder as we ask this question, what do we want for ourselves and what do we want for others? Like, what are other people, what, how would they answer that question? Right, I asked you to answer that question, but how would other people answer that question? So Donna Moore, no relation, uh, she, her son and I were best friends in high school, and we've stayed connected all these years. Donna said, good health and a happy life. <clears throat> Crystal Thomas a distant relative of mine said Jesus and his word slash prayer. Renee Still, some of you know her from here in town. She said for others to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Sean Williams, which Kendall and I have known for many years, probably elementary, middle, high school, and into adulthood, she commented Jesus, peace, and good health. Pat Dollard, one of our very own, said peace. Love, joy, kindness, hope, patience, fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. Jesus in our lives. Angela Jackson. Jesus, good health, happiness, love. Phyllis Williams, another Bethletonian, said peace and love. My friend Michael Keenan from the hospital. Peace of mind, joy, and grace. So this morning I want us to turn our attention to the two first verses as Paul is giving his introduction here as he writes to the church at Philippi. Remember last week we said that Paul was on his second missionary journey about 10 years prior to when he wrote this letter. And the, he was preaching and teaching so much so lives were being changed. Uh, he was thrown into jail. The jailer and his family was saved. Lydia and her, she was saved. And so from there, out of that was birthed the church at Philippi. He's writing to them 10 years later. Now the thing that we can't forget is where is he writing it from? He's writing from prison in Rome. So what's fitting here today is even though he was bound, he wanted blessings, he wanted grace and peace for those in Philippi. See, the book of Philippians is all, it's a book of joy. 
And it's finding joy in our circumstances and in our lives, knowing that Christ is working in and through us and in and through our circumstances. So this morning, let's look at the first two verses here as he gives his introduction. He's writing a letter. And he says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, we're focusing on verse 2. Last week, we focused on verse 1. Next week, we're going back to verse 1. You'll see why. Uh, So I hope you'll join us. And we're just slowly dissecting what Paul is saying. And so here he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So today, if you haven't already realized, and some of these people that I asked this question on Facebook, they they answered the question of which affirmative of what I'm preaching and teaching on today had no clue what the text was. And Paul's prayer for Philippi, Paul's prayer for us, Jesus' love letter for us in 2022 is what? As we read this and we introduce ourselves to this particular book, that there may be grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are two key words today that we will kind of hang out with and kind of dissect and talk about. First and foremost is the word grace. Now I believe as I preach and teach, one of the things that you have to do is that we have to step back. And we have to look and say, okay, what is grace? Let's define grace. Because each of us come from different backgrounds. We've experienced different things in our past. And so today our working definition for the word grace is what? That it is the free and undeserved love of God that never quits. Free, undeserved love that never quits. Friends, the church should be a place of grace. However, far too often it's not. As you've heard me tell you stories recently, there are people I've run across in, in my path, and, and they're you know single mom with a small child, and she's like, I'm trying to find a place to belong, but wherever I go, people keep judging me. Guys, people that are coming into the church aren't going to look like Jesus if they aren't following Jesus. Plus, even if they are, they might not all, they're never going to be perfect. Because are you perfect? No. You have flaws. You have things that you have been through in your life. And so we have to stop looking at people through flawed eyes and seeing their flaws. Because what did Jesus say? He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Our brotherhood meeting next month in October, Mr. Johnny Morris will be doing a fish fry. It's always an exciting time. Uh, one of our annual things that we do here at Bethel. And guys are really anticipating that. Look, we'll probably have a huge crowd that night. But a very simple principle that Johnny understands is this. You've got to catch them before you can clean them. And so today as we go out in the world and we try, to, we try to be vessels of hope and encouragement for Jesus to flow, his love to flow in and through us, he says what? The greatest commandment is what? That we should love God and to love others. That's what our job is. And so how differently would the world look if if we were, to, we were to bestow the grace that has been so bestowed upon us. However, I draw an asterisk there this morning because oftentimes I believe that people aren't shown grace in the church because they've never experienced grace themselves. You see, the thing is, God calls us to forgive. We're to whom much is forgiven, right? That God, Christ has forgiven us, that we are to forgive others. And so just like that grace, maybe the reason there's not a whole lot of grace in the church is because we haven't realized the radical grace of which God is, is, is lavished on us. Free and undeserved love 
that never quits. Are you thankful for the grace of God today? Because listen, Paul reminds the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2, verse 8 9, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift from God. Again, that grace, free and undeserved love that never quits. Grace through faith is how we're saved. And it's not a result of works so that no one can boast. Friends, I believe this morning, and I've come to remind you, that when you've experienced the grace of God, you can extend it because you've received it. When, when we grasp the grace of God, of that free, undeserved love and favor that He pours out into our hearts and our lives, into our marriages, into our relationships, it is there that we should walk and be gracious to others. Our God has been gracious to us. We talked about grace. Well, what about peace? Peace. Peace is the absence of inner and outer conflict, unity, and wholeness. Now, here's the thing. Some of y'all this morning, you've got some peace on the outside. But what about on the inside? What about in your soul? Is there peace within you? Some of you may have peace within yourself, but your external environment, there is not a, there's a lot of chaos. So what are we to do with that? John records Jesus, and Jesus tells us, he tells us this. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is synonymous with peace. He is the Prince of Peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Later, John records this also where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me, in me, in Christ, you may have peace. He didn't say belonging to Bethel Baptist Church you will have peace. Did he? He said in me. In me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm thankful for Gordon Hudson. Almost every Sunday morning after the first service, he always comes up with a nugget of wisdom or an observation from the message. And what I'm thankful for is for y'all, it hopefully strengthens the second time that I deliver this. Because as he pointed out to me, reminded me this morning, that in me you have, may have peace. There's an opportunity that lies there, but Christ will not force himself upon you. In me you may have peace. There's an opportunity. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to take it? Then there's also a guarantee. What did Jesus say? In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have heartache. It's a given. My hope and prayer, guys, is that you will never hear a prosperity gospel preached and taught from this pulpit or the one across the street. It is, we do not worship a God of name it, claim it, wealth, and prosperity. When we decide to follow Jesus, it means that there will be sacrifice in our lives. He said, come and follow, take up your cross and follow me. There's a cost to following Jesus. And what's sad, in Jesus' day and today, when we do count the cost and we really explain to people what it means to follow Jesus, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, 
explained to them what it meant to cost it cost to follow him. And you know what happened? Scripture tells us some turned and followed. No, it says many turned and walked the other way. Following Jesus is not easy. But he says what? In me you will have peace. Take heart, I have overcome the world. What's interesting here that I want you to see is this. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. It is from. Listen, you can't have peace from God until you have peace with God. Do you catch that? You can't have peace from God until you have peace with God. There's some of y'all here this morning that have been playing church. There's some of y'all here this morning that you're trying to find your place. You're, you're trying to find a place to believe, belong, and become. And mine and Austin's prayer, the, hopefully the prayer of the deacons of this church, the leadership of this church is that we would indeed become a place where people could believe, belong, and become who Jesus intends them to be. That we would extend the grace and forgiveness that God has shown us and we would pour that out into your hearts and lives too. That we would be patient with you as God has been patient with us and been merciful with us. Now listen, as I study this week, somewhere along the line, and I try to attribute where I can attribute, especially in a day and time of, unfortunately, there are pastors that plagiarize their messages, that they pull them off the internet and they read them verbatim. I don't believe that. I try to listen to the Lord. There might be some messages that aren't perfect, and that was my prayer this morning. Lord, turn this imperfect message and let him see the perfect Savior. Because it's not about me. And what's fascinating to me is this. There are days and times where I'll preach and teach, and I feel like it was the most horrible message I've ever preached in my entire ministry, and that's the one God uses the most. So I tell you all that to say today that I don't remember where this came from, and I can't point you back to who said it, but it made me think, and it made me ponder. When a person confesses his or her pride admits defeat, and submits to God, the war is over. When we, can, when we confess our pride, when we humble ourselves, and we admit defeat, and we submit to God, the war is over. Y'all, there are some of y'all in here this morning that you are fighting battles that are not yours to be fought. In my notes, I simply wrote the phrase, surrender. You know, maybe there's some of y'all here this morning that, as we think about the word surrender, there's some of y'all that, instead of standing tall, that as you go before the Lord, that you're going to have to get before the Lord on your knees, and as you're there, you're going to have to surrender yourself and surrender your will, and you're just going to have to say, God, I surrender. I surrender this to you. I surrender what I've been trying to take on myself that isn't mine, that's yours to carry. God, I wave the white flag. I surrender. I surrender all. There's somebody here this morning that would be willing to take this up and and be willing to wave that too, to say, God, I'm waving the white flag. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. 
God, I surrender. I surrender to you. When a person confesses his or her pride, admits defeat, and submits to God, the war is over. Paul goes on to say to the church at Rome, we see this in Romans chapter 5 as he begins what we know as Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus It's not of anything you can do on your own and in your own strength, but it is Christ. Later, he he tells the church at Rome, in Romans 8, verse 6, he says this, he says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Guys, this week, where will your mind be set? Will it be set on the flesh and the desires of the flesh and what you desire? Listen, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. They saw, and it was pleasing to their eyes. That's where sin starts, is where, what we look at. And friends, I've come to tell you this morning that once you see something, you can't unsee it. Be careful what you allow your little eyes to see, and your ears to hear, and your mouth to say. What's interesting here is Paul also goes on in the book of Philippians, and maybe we'll get there before Jesus comes back. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that there should be prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. There there should be prayer, petitions, and thanksgiving. We should be going before God and thanking Him for who He is, what He's done, that He holds this this whole world in His hands, That, that He knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. And then we need to take those petitions. We need to take those things in our lives. And we need to surrender. We need to surrender those things to Him. Lord, I don't know how you're going to work in this situation, to this loved one that has cancer. I don't know how you're going to work in my friend's marriage. I don't know how you're going to work in my relationship with my child. I don't know, I don't know, but God, I know you do. I trust you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. One of the things I want you to see, too, in this particular text is this. That we see grace to you and peace from God, our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's very fascinating in these two verses is we kind of have a bookend, right? Remember where we were last week in the text? Remember where we were last week that Paul says what? That we're servants, that that we're bond servants, we're in essence slaves of Christ. And then here in this this second thought, he's saying, he's the Lord. And so this morning, is he the Lord of your life? 
Because if he is, that's going to dictate what you say, what you do, the priority, the things that you prioritize, the things that you're willing to commit to. It shifts because he's the one leading your life, not you. Do you see that? It's radical then and it's radical now that, that, that we're slaves of Christ. He's saying we're slaves of Christ. We're sold out. We're all in. He owns me. Slaves and Lord. He is the Lord of my life. As I was studying this week, I leaned into some information written, written by Stephen Lawson. He's a professor of preaching and a dean at the Master Seminary in California. And he said this. He said, we will never face a trial beyond what the grace and peace of God enables us to endure. Did you hear what he said? He didn't say beyond what you can endure. It's beyond what God's grace and peace will enable us to endure. He's pouring out that love. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. That's what's beautiful about it. And when we realize that, how radical God loves us, why are we not sharing? Why are we not pointing people to Jesus of the hope of which we have? Because are we really putting our hope in him or somewhere else? Because when he's transformed your heart, it changes what you say and what you do. Scripture says we'll know you by your fruit. There's a bunch of nuts in here, but we need some fruit. We need to be bearing some fruit for the Lord. Now, what's interesting is some of you may have seen uh, a little track similar to this in the past. It's called Steps to Peace with God. Billy Graham wrote a book like that as well. And what's interesting is, as I was reminded this week as I was studying, that in essence, there's two things happening here. There's us and God. There's you and there's God. What do we notice in the middle? There is a huge chasm that exists between the two of us and try as we may we will do things in our own strength in our own might in our own wisdom to try to build that relationship to build that bridge to god but can i tell you this morning that that every anything that you do like that is going to fail there there is this chasm that exists within us do you realize that god has a purpose for your life that he desires for there to be peace and life for you paul said in romans 5 1 we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ what what we see here in the middle is a great reminder of the romans road as we see for the wages of sin is death but the so that's where we see that that chasm that i'm talking about this morning that is death the wages of sin is death. Like it, it, Without Christ, our, our thing is we can walk this earth, but when we get to the end and we, and we get to the very end, I'm not going to do that on the very but it's like we get to the end and we'll just step off into death without Christ. So is there, is there a solution? Is there an answer? Is there a way? Sure there's a way. Why do we know that there's a way? Because, Jesus, because God sent his son Jesus and there is the cross and the cross builds a bridge between us and God. It is only by Christ and Christ alone that we can make that journey across and have a relationship with the Lord. 
The world we live in, there's not. There's multiple ways. No, there's not. Jesus said what? And we bank on what Jesus says because Jesus is truth. Jesus said what? I am the truth and the way. I am the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Go back a minute. Go back a minute. As I thought about this, and I thought about this chasm that lay between us, I thought about the song we sing from time to time called Our Living Hope. I will spare you. I don't sing. That's why you don't see me up here with the praise team. So I'm not going to sing, but I can read. And I thought of that song. And look at the words of that song, Living Hope by Phil Wickham. How great the chasm that lay between us. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and I spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages Step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I am yours forever. Christ Jesus, my living hope. And then that song says this. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There is salvation in your name. Jesus Christ my living hope. Friends, God has created that bridge for us to be able to go from ourselves past that chasm of death to God and to have that relationship with Him. But what we need to see is the move is ours. He will not force Himself upon us, but He will allow us to come to Him. And this morning, is there someone here that He's calling that maybe you stood at the edge of that chasm and you never realized the fact of what the cross of Christ at Calvary has done and the shed blood of Jesus has done for you, that He's paid away, He's made a way, and He's made that bridge so that you can go from one to the other. But what I want you to see here this morning is one final thing as we see in Ephesians before we close. Ephesians 2, 14, or 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, who, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Verse 16, And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came, Jesus came and preached peace to those of you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Y'all, today, Jesus is calling. Tenderly calling. Calling you by name. He's calling you to to take that step of obedience, to remind who He is. And and y'all, maybe today you're wrestling and you've never experienced peace from God. But you'll never experience that until you have peace with God. 
and until you were like you like I was reminded this week of now it's all wrapped up. Chris, what'd you do? <clears throat> once you surrender, you give it all up. Yeah, we give it all up. <clears throat> That's right, we do. Once we once we surrender, we do give it all up. But listen, maybe there's one of y'all here this morning that maybe you just need to hear the reminder of this song that we're going to close with today that I went to. That's why we sing. That's why this praise team, listen, that's why this praise team is so prayerful and they practice and they try to learn and they try to give their best and their glory for God to point you to him and to point you to those songs so that when you leave here, there will be times in your day and in your life and you're going to wake up and you're going to start singing some of these songs. Amen. He's going to put a new song in your mouth. He's going to put these songs in your way. And just like when I was preparing this message, I began to write in my notes, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. The song we'll sing says this, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Y'all, is there one of y'all here this morning that you need to wave this white flag? And you need to say, God, I'm tired of fighting this battle on my own. God, I, I, I'm sorry that I, you, you, you pursued a relationship with me, but for whatever reason, I've decided that I could try to do it all on my own. Maybe God is calling you today to that first time for that relationship to him. Because listen, here's the thing. There's one unpardonable sin in all of Scripture. It's a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But let us truly understand what that means. What that means is there might be someone here today, and God is working through your heart and your life, and he's drawing you. And you feel him tugging at your heart. You feel him like, okay, I, I felt di- this feels different to me. I feel like I need to step out in faith and, and come and talk to me in Austin. We'll, I'll have a time of prayer as we have this last song. See us after the service at the information table. But, but here's the thing. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, listen, y'all, he might be knocking at your heart. He might be drawing you. But if you continue to reject him, I don't know when he's going to offer that offer again. That's what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. It's, there have been times probably in some of y'all's life that you're like, no, nah, not God, God i got to get some things in order. Not now. Not now. I'm going to go back on this side. I'm going to hang out on this side before I walk across that bridge with you. I, I don't know what God wants to do this morning, but I know one thing. If we'll just surrender our hearts and lives to Him, He can do far more abundantly than we ask or think. His peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding can be ours. We just trust Him and we walk faithfully with Him. I invite you now, if you will, as we sing this last song, sing, sit where you are, come and we use this as, a, as an altar, makeshift altar. Come and sit here, come and kneel at the steps, come and pray with me. Miss Helen usually will come and, and she'll be glad to pray with you too. She's our prayer partner. So y'all come, y'all come. As the Father leads, as the Spirit leads, do what He's leading you to do today. Y'all come. <laughs>